And it's been long for a long time of years. That is that is yeah. his name. Six years, seven years. You know, uh, I think we're approaching. That's why uh, we have two listeners. LW. And what was it again? Oh, yeah. The other listener thinks they're listening to the LWAF podcast, long-winded as fuck, <laughs> which is two guys watching Netflix shows. So, but we're not that. We are going to watch a full-length movie on YouTube, as our acronym describes. Right now, we're on MutinyRadio.fm every Tuesday, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, following Found Round Sound with Scott O. Last week, I called him Steve O. Oh, Scott O. Yeah, Scott O. We're also right now on YouTube, as we are every week. Uh, Subscribe to our YouTube channel, L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T, for the full experience. But you could DYI it today uh, by listening to our podcast and watching a full-length movie on YouTube at the same time. That's the premise. That's what the acronym stands for. Why do you need to know this acronym, Carl? We have a podcast, too. You can find it by searching L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T. So you have three options right now. You're listening to us on Mutiny Radio Sunday. You're watching our YouTube channel or you're listening to our podcast. And all we ask in return, why don't you donate some money to Mutiny Radio? Go ahead to Venmo and send a couple bucks at Mutiny Radio. Uh, Carl, gosh, good to see you, man. Good what movie are we watching? This? Oh, I should mention, Carl is a co-host. Gotcha, Carl. Uh-huh. That, means, that means he wrote the theme song. He produces and edits the show. He interviews a celebrity comedian who will do our countdown to the movie today. And he researches the movie every week. But for today, it's the switcheroo. Carl asked me to research and watch several times a movie and presented today. Carl, what was that movie? That was Green Grow the Rushes, 1951. Oh. Green, that's what you put in the YouTube search engine. Green Grow the Rushes, 1951. Oh. The channel we like is Aminat Oldies. Aminat Oldies. Terrific. Well, I'm really excited about that. Green Grow the Rushes, 1951. And you know what, Carl? Maybe if we're good, we're good, and I don't have to pull this car over, I will sing you the folk song, Green Grows the Rushes. Oh, okay. 
I'm Which, looking forward to that. Oh, are you? I don't think you are. Well, I'm pretending. I don't think you want to know what this is about. You want okay. to know what it's about? Well, it's, there's washes and they grow. And when they grow, they appear green. Oh, so, okay, fair enough. Do you, do you know the, the REM cover? Green rust, the green grow the rushes? Okay, so I did watch this film and when I searched Why? for it. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, just so I wasn't out of context. I didn't do yeah. any, re I only watched right. it once. I hardly fair paid enough. attention. And I did see REM come up. Now, I was an REM fan. I thought I knew everything they did. I did not know they did. They did a song called Green Grass and Rushes. And if I could understand what the fuck he's saying, I think it is the, the folk song, which I will sing at the end. Okay. You know how you know how the 12 days of Christmas is Christmas is Christmas? But it's not Christmas because we're not singing about anything Christian? Yeah, it's the same song, the but mm -hmm. every single night there's a fucking something about religion in it. So we're going to have to wait till the end of this movie. Man, we got a packed show for you tonight. Not only did we have an amazing introduction, we are going to watch Greengrass the Grushes. Go ahead, into your searches. Search for it. Okay. In the YouTube search engine, everyone put in Green Grow the Rushes, right. 1951. And the channel we like again was, what is an oldies? You're not going to find a lot of channels. I'm a nuts oldies, right. It's the only movie version of Green Grass the Grushes. Yo. They did it again. Green Grass. Green Rose, oh. the rest is, oh, oh, God, fuck. And I think right. that that title has nothing to do with this film. I mean, they're in a marsh. Yeah, you know, it reminds me of Mr. Show. They could call it Flippity-Doo, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's 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 crazy British farce. Uh, green, grass, aggressive. So go ahead, hit that link, hit pause, Again. move to zero, zero, zero. What, am I not pronouncing the name? Green? Pronouncing isn't the right word. You're using different words. <laughs> green grush the grushes grow right green grush the grushes 1951 grow. that's what you don't put in the youtube search engine listen so we did the introduction we told them where to go they got the link we're about to launch into a pre-recorded interview carl did with a celebrity comedian who yeah. is going to launch us into the movie so yeah. we have yeah and then we'll be watching the movie and at the end i will sing this fucking song all right so what a pass <laughs> You know, most of these bad movie podcasts, Carl, they're two hours long because they talk about the movie. Ours is two hours long because we talk over the entire movie. Right. right. Much better. Okay. All right. So we're going to kick this off, Carl. I am obviously very animated and excited to see this movie. So let us meet Carl. With He's going to talk to a celebrity comedian. We'll learn about the celebrity comedian. And then they will do the countdown. And when they say go, hit go. And we'll see you then. I'll see you then. Take it away, Carl. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Comedian Countdown, this time with Bahe Ho! Welcome, Bahe! Thank you so much. It's fantastic to be here. I'm Mike Spiegelman. I'm on this interview, too. I'm a good friend with Bahe, and I'm glad to have you on the Celebrity Comedian Countdown portion of our show. Usually Thanks. these interviews are conducted by Carl. We're going to pick your brain, Bahe. I know Vahe is a comedian in San Francisco, a very funny comedian, and also probably one of the best showrunners, has the best show, better than Cheaper Than Therapy, better than The Punchline, better than anything you're going to see. In fact, it's baked in the title, The Best of SF Stand-Up Showcase. Uh, Vahe, what led you into doing this? How did this happen? The show? The one yeah. that we've been doing for eight years? Um, well, I always knew I kind of wanted to have my own because 
kind of nice. It gives you a lot of artistic freedom to experiment in whatever way you want because nobody can tell you that like they don't want you doing that, um, except the audience. And the audience hasn't told me that. Like the audience, you know, we've developed kind of a, a little bit of a following of people who like know where the show is every Friday and they come back and we feature the best comics in San Francisco, like Mike. In the title. Yeah, it's right there in the title, and uh, it's fun. So, how did it come about? Yeah, I just, I just, um, well, we did a show for Variety, and then I approached them afterwards, and I was like, because it went so well, it was awesome, and uh, I was like, hey, do you want to work on like a regular show? And uh, they said, yeah, and so we did that, and it wasn't through like, without like their great cooperation, it wouldn't be possible. Because we certainly went through a lot of rough and rocky times. And I think, Mike, you were probably there for many of those. Yeah, I uh, should say, full disclosure, I worked the door for Vahe uh, for several years. The Variety Theater is one of the best theaters. It is one of the weird hidden gems in San Francisco. It's, it's a critics uh, theater screening room where for during the 90s I went once, uh, but they all, you, all the critics would see the movies there. And it's run by the Variety Theater, which is a charity group that does these charity runs. And does the Vahe's live show. Now, what got you into comedy, though, Vahe? I mean, what was the reason? What was your voice? Um, so always as a, as a child, like in school, I was like making people laugh and trying to like be silly. I was like always like the silly kid, you know? And uh, I think I was always like trying to, because there was a lot of seriousness around me all the time, I felt like. I think I grew up in a, like, a serious environment and stuff. And uh, I was trying to like break through that. And then... In high school, I did some like on stage stuff and it went like really well. So then I was like, oh, I really like this. And then I moved down to San Diego and I started making trips to like the Laugh Factory. Um, but there's a comedy store on Pearl Street that I would go to um, sometimes and like some other stuff. And at that time, I think I was like 17 when I went up at the, the Laugh Factory the first time. And I told this story on Zoom. It was funny because like I went up on stage, I was really nervous. And uh, I went to the bathroom beforehand. And uh, I, so I then I go up on stage and uh, everyone starts like laughing. And I think I'm doing really well, but it turns out my zipper is down. I didn't. <laughs> Classic, right of passion, right of uh, comedy. Yeah. And then the guy, you know, uh, what's the guy's name? Like Jamie or whatever. I, I went up and like talked to him after that. And I don't even know if he saw because I think he would have mentioned something about the zipper being down. Like, you know how he gives advice to people? So he told me, like, do comedy. It was either a hundred more times or a thousand more times and then come back. So in other <laughs> words, don't come back for, like, a really long time. But I think it was cool that he, like, did that for comics, you know, because he was, like, the owner. I don't know if he still does that or what, but I didn't go there a ton of times because it was, like, an hour away from where I was going to school. But when I did, I got that feedback from him. So, yeah, it's the importance. I mean, the, the shows are for the audiences, but it also really does help comics to have like a kind of a solid place to, to go from. Pretty memorable. One of the things you guys did during the pandemic, I, so I was working with you and there was a big argument of whether or not you should run the show. I think it was March of 2020 at the time. And you guys went off and went virtual uh, doing interviews and then kicked off probably one of the most successful still running Zoom shows out there. How do you feel with having that title? <laughs> Um, it's cool. I like it because I like doing the show and stuff, but I think Zoom comedy does have like a bad connotation because I think people associate it with the pandemic and also it, it kind of removes like the person to person element of stand up, which I think many comics like hold so dear. Um, 
but it is a form of human connection and I think it will be around in the future. And I think, you know, based on the people that come, you were on the show last night. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. And you had a hundred audience members and, uh, uh, it was, they all have a kind of a community thing. It, it was, it was pretty rock solid. You know, I feel like zoom shows are like CNN. Like once there's a national emergency, everyone's clicking onto it, you know, we just have to wait for another, uh, another pandemic, but. I, I do think like the the cat's out of the bag and, and you guys run a real pro professional show too. Like um, you had some notoriety because somebody fucked on uh, live. Can I bring that up? I don't, I don't want to albatross you, but uh, aren't you the show where someone fucked on live a couple fuck? Uh, yeah, but it was like a tasteful fuck, you know, it was like, it was like one of those like soft core porn movies. It wasn't like a hardcore. Right. But, uh, I mean, you know, the way I, I think about that is like during the pandemic, we all did a lot of crazy. You know? And I think we should all get like a pass for those couple of years. I mean, geez, like there's enough holding people accountable for every little thing. It's like, can we get like a pass during the pandemic? I mean, yeah, they had yeah. sex. I personally don't think sex is like a dirty, bad thing personally. But yeah, a lot of people thought it was bad. Well, they came. They came to see the show. They came. They were focusing on stand up and yeah. any kind of extra stuff. They probably didn't appreciate it. Maybe I doubt it. But they they came for the comedy, so they they probably said this isn't the comedy. Let you know. Yeah, and I think our name can be misleading because it's a very like generic and kind of but also specific name, you know. But we, there's a lot that falls under that umbrella. You know, we add like a lot of personal uh, kind of touch to what we do. And I, I think guess, some people yeah. are like, they think it's like this thing. And, and I think we've struggled with that because it is kind of a poor like marketing communication, I guess, in a way. But, uh, but no, that was fun and that was memorable. And I don't regret that happening. Is there any like uh, suitable for work, uh, crazy accidents happen on, on the Zoom show you want to bring up? Something that hasn't happened on a live show or? Hmm. or... Well, like, it's always funny when you like tell a joke then you hear someone like flush the toilet, you know, like they, <laughs> um, it really gives like, uh, it's always such a humbling experience to do zoom comedy. Like, honestly, I think it keeps my ego in check. I have like a problem sometimes with my ego and I think it like has kept me extremely humble. So, um, but yeah, crazy stuff. I mean, the nakedness people like we get the zoom bombers. And it's funny because the Zoom bombers, they come on and they mess with the show. And I'm like, you know, we have like an open mic portion of the show. Like you can actually do a set. You don't have to like do whatever you're doing. And then after I said that, I was like, we want you to be like part of the show. Like we love the energy they bring. Because like anybody who logs on to do anything, it's like they're bringing some kind of energy to what you're doing. And uh, so we kind of like worked a few of them into the fold. And they're like really young kids, you know. Yeah. But, and honestly, it's scary. Like I hope that's not represented all the young kids out there because like no that's all that the young kids sure as a country then we're kind of like yeah so you got to pipe pipe for them into the right direction but hey you got to be the ringleader in the future so. yeah i think I wonder, comedy is great for that yeah. yeah one thing so your live shows and your virtual shows are kind of crash landing together can you talk about your upcoming live event uh, granted it's halloween right now but uh you have you and uh, christopher doing a show at the moscone center yeah, so we get an email from this uh, convention, uh, Fan Expo at Moscone SF, and they're like, do you guys want to stream, or no, they said record what you're doing on our, like, stage at the conference. And uh, I was like, hell yeah. I was like, but we do a live stream. And then he said at the Moscone Center, the Wi-Fi is really bad, so they, they don't, don't do a live stream. 
but they'll do like a three camera shoot recording where they like edit it, like people edit it and stuff, and it'll be seen live, like from people who are there. And I was like, obviously, I really wanted to do that. So, so um, it would be a live, so people can go to the convention, see this live, and then you guys will edit it as a as a Zoom show, and then post it on YouTube or on your socials. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like they're gonna give us a lot of freedom in terms of what we do because this has evolved and now it's like a competition, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, you competed last night. I thought I got three percent to the vote. Three percent. Yeah, that okay. that's myself because as a comedian, I learned you always vote for yourself. You're you are the funniest person in the room at all times. Totally. Otherwise, yeah. no one's gonna say that. So you always have to that's vote for so yourself. Right. Yeah. There was yeah. a one new time comic last night. God bless this gregarious gentleman. Uh, as loquacious as he was yesterday, he's like, I didn't vote for myself. And I'm like, you fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah, well, he's not a comic. That was his first time performing, so he hasn't learned that lesson. Yet. I know. Well, it's it's stuck, it's it's stuck out to me. I didn't say anything because I didn't want to uh, influence. I didn't want to encourage him. But, <clears throat> you know, you got to be cold to the new comics. They got to have a thick skin. Yeah, totally. I think he'll learn that. And Because uh, if you don't vouch for yourself, like, everyone else is like, got... You know, a lot of comics are mostly focused on themselves, you know? They're not really in the business of helping, like, other comics so much. And I get it because it's so hard just to help yourself. Well, it's also a sole proprietorship. And, and you have to be driven, which means you're going to fuck people over if you really want, want what you get. It's, that's why you're driven, quote-unquote. That's Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I've never fucked anyone over that I know of. Um, and... That's probably why I'm not successful. So like, yeah, you gotta keep your eye on your prize. You gotta put your blinders on, and you gotta fuck everybody around uh, around <laughs> you to get to what you want. And then you get it. And then you then you uh, I don't know. Fuck off. I don't know how it goes. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, Vahe, uh, I was, so let's let's get some uh, uh, links where people can find you as a comedian, uh, your dates, uh, and also your this show that's Runaway uh, live and virtual. Okay, yeah, so the virtual show is virtualcomedy.net. Um, virtualcomedy.com was taken, which is weird. Uh, Pandemic. Yeah, and then uh, bestofsfstandup.com is, like, for the live show. The classy room, and it's a classy show. It has great, great, uh, I mean, these are seats for critics to sit down and watch John Leguizamo in the past. So you know these are the softest, greatest ass hugging seats you're ever going to experience for a live performance like you know yeah. it's a great room which kind of works against it i think at times but... oh they get too comfy yeah because you don't want to be too comfy it's a common known fact right that you don't want to be too comfy during a comedy show i guess so. yeah you got to keep the cold the temperature cold cool uh so we got all your links we are now at the part of the uh interview of the celebrity comedian countdown where you our celebrity comedian will do a countdown to our movie this week Bye. Take it away. Okay. So, uh, three, two, one, go. All right. Well, thank you so much, celebrity comedian. Oh, we are going to act in this film. Yeah. Green grow the rushes, as I've been saying. <laughs> we You've been have saying a, something. I've been saying something. This is the marsh, Carl. This is great. No, this is the United Kingdom. Great Britain for sure. You know, I love I've seen... the accents in this film. Oh my god! Yeah, absolutely. Because we have a powerhouse of actors in this movie, and two of them are definitely known for their voices, and they crank it out. I'm talking about Roger Liberty 
who is the captain in this movie. And then, of course, we have young Richard Burton. Yeah, very young. <clears throat> well, you know, he's a... I did a little research, Carl. I went to Wiki and I went to IMDb. But for Richard Burton, I watched a movie called In From Out the Cold. In From, mm-hmm. In From the Cold. A Portrait of Richard Burton. It was a 1965 documentary. That's that, early. Well, you know, it was Cleopatra was 63. So they were three ring circus at the time with that okay. marriage. Yeah. So, you know, but, oh, by the way, any resemblance to any living person, an actual event, coincidence would be a miracle. Oh, this must be a farce. <laughs> this must be a bureaucracy. <laughs> and sure enough, here is a beautiful Southeast England, Kent, and here comes bureaucrats oh with their bowler hats bowler hats and their glasses now these three guys each have their own personality for bureaucrats and they're gonna like diss on each other throughout the film it's a i have to say this film is really good with characters Uh uh-huh i want to just call out this moment so they they arrive to this marshy area and they control this land and the way it's shot this guy nigel twist the director, look at this. They they hover over the land. They look like go- bureaucratic gods that own this area. <laughs> Isn't that a re- it's remarkable, right? To start yeah. this movie off like that, it's pretty cool. Look at them. They're gods. Surveying all they survey. They're actually from the uh, agriculture, uh, the Ministry of Agriculture and Fishery. Gotcha. And they're down here in Angela the Pong. I forget the name of it. I have it, but basically. All this marshland is not being used for farming. That is, people are starving out there. People need their, yeah, you know? And they talk a lot about the history. So I guess like, I don't know anything about America, right? So if you, we watch a movie about the South and they believe that they run themselves and they have Mm -hmm. a a bootlegging operation, you know, they're gator and they're doing, I would be like, yeah, makes sense to me. So this movie is kind of similar. So this area has history. Like, uh, they talk about Henry III a lot in this. Yeah, Henry III, Henry III decreed that they are, they govern themselves. They have yes. autonomy over themselves. So they have a charter. They have a uh, corporation charter. And they actually have Charter Day, which they're going to celebrate in this movie. But they have their own magistrates. Mag- they have magistrate. Their own, mm-hmm. Yes. And so this bureaucracy group is ready to take over the land, but they're going to butt heads with them. And one thing they're going to mention, which is very romantic, is that this area was known for bootlegging. Smuggling. Yeah, like brandy in particular. And But that was the old days, Carl. They don't have it now. But they're right. curious, like, how come these farmers have great houses and they don't have any, uh, they have a couple cows grazing. That's about it. All right, so here's one of them. Smuggling. Uh, this guy is always sick. I've been sick for two years. I have this cold. He's got a two, he's got a cold. How's your cold this morning? Same as ever. Same as ever. Could it be allergies? Hmm. What do you think it is? Okay, so here's Gil, Colonel Gil. And he's being interviewed by Honor Blackman, who we don't have any Star Trek connections. Yeah. The closest we do, closest we have to a Star Trek connection is her, Honor Blackman, who has been in every single iconic British TV show. (laughs) I would say the Avengers. She's dressed okay. up in leather. Uh, she was in Coronation Street in the two thousands, famous sitcom. But and how does she tie into Star Trek ever so loosely? 
Well, she was also in Doctor Who during the 80s. Okay. And she was in The Saint with Roger so Moore. So doesn't tie into Star Trek what? at all. Yeah, Star Trek is, a, is an iconic American show. American, a show. Not Yeah, but what English. the fuck is Doctor Who, fucking The Avengers, and The Saint? I mean, you can't They're get more Star iconic. Trek. But the, uh, <laughs> They're I would iconic. Rather watch, you would rather watch Star Trek over The Avengers. The, well, the that's TV an interesting show. question. It depends on my mood, but I guess yes. So if you want to jerk off to women in leather, then the Avengers. Well, Avengers is not going to have a green girl. Now, that's some jer jerk-off fodder right there. Okay. Wow, these are great conversations we like to have. So, uh, and she's also obviously known, there she is, for uh, playing Pussy Galore and Goldfinger. That's Whoa! Really? Yeah, that's her. Terrific. And she died 94 years old in twenty the year 2020. That's great. 94. That's a ripe old age. Now, he goes, what, are you laughing at this? And she goes, no, it's just the way my face was made. Looks like I'm laughing all the time. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, yeah. Basically, the, the marshland, you know, he's talking about this charter, the corporation. Liberty. And... <clears throat> liberty. Oh, they're right. The Liberty. Liberty Charter. And that's why they called it that, because they can, they're autonomous. Now, this was actually based on a novel. A uh, guy named is Howard Cl uh, Chloe Clues. The best thing I can say about him is that Howard Clues. So, like uh, like Daniel Clues, Clues, I guess. Okay, if it was Howard Clues, he'd be like the rich guy, the aviator. Howard Hughes. A lot of OCD. A lot of OCD. Uh, no, it's like, I guess, Close, like Daniel Close, it's C-L-E-W-E. He also okay. wrote a book uh, called The uh, Long Memory. And one of the oh, The Long Memory. When I got to the end of that book, I, I close, I, I close. Do you, do, what was the book, Long Memory about? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take that. Uh. Yeah, and it's uh, his, that book was also about the, the marshy south uh, east area of England. There is so like she's a, a reporter, and she was interviewing him about these what these interlopers who are going to try to government whammy jammy them, force them to have farms. Oh, ah, there, he is. there he is. Let's take a listen. There he is. That's the voice. Richard Burton. Richard Jenkins. You know, he had a, yeah, he had a fucked up family. Well, he was, there was 13 kids in the Jenkins family. Okay. Uh, I have 11, it was 13 because two died in their infancy before I was born. Okay, so they count. Yeah, he sounds like Kevin. Uh, he sounds like uh, Catherine Hepburn. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was the second youngest. Uh, their mom died after the final kid was born, and it was like a shitty area of Wales. He was from South Wales. I wonder and if all his big brothers were like, "Yeah, you little punk," and then he became huge, famous. He became the biggest brother at Thanksgiving. They, they're like, Mah. "This 1965 documentary interviews his oldest brother who lost <laughs> his foot." working in the pit. Like you either worked in the steel mine uh, 
my town was called, it meant it was a bridge because it covered two bridges. We lived under the bridge. <laughs> so his, his oldest brother uh, worked in the steel mill and he lost his foot working in the fucking coal pit. Mm-hmm. So, and they were making, he was the only one who could work in that family. And he was making like, I don't know, pennies on the dime, whatever. Right. It, was, it was some, so yeah, Burden did this for the money, man. Like he, so basically his story was that uh, he, when his mother died, he moved into his sister's house, who was married to some guy right. and he got him into school. He got himself into Oxford because there was an acting teacher, Mr. Okay. Philip Burton. Okay. He saw something in ah, this young 14 year old. Philip and, Burton. Okay. Yeah. So he went up to CIS, C I S, which is the name of one of the sisters. Like she's cis, cis female. Okay. And uh, they said, I would like to adopt you, uh, Richard. And she's like, Yeah, take him. We got plenty. I don't know. She, she, it was heartbreaking. They talked really? to her about it. So he adopted, he became. The Philip Vernon was 20 days younger. Like there was a limit, like to adopt a kid to say, right. I'm dad, your son, you have to be exactly 20 years apart. They were 20 days shy of that. So he had to become a legal guardian for Richard Vernon. Not a father, a right. legal guardian. Okay. So, and he went off and he went to Oxford. And when the war started, this movie is 51. So in 41, he got recruited in this thing. The RAF had, is it RAF? R-E-F? Royal uh, Air Force? R-A-F, Royal Air Force. Royal as fuck. Anyway, so they <laughs> <laughs> they had this program where he would act and then go to school for acting half the day and then half the time. And then the other half, he's in the RAF. Okay. So he started acting on stage. He became, oh, the globe. They offered me 10 pound a week and I took it and then my friend said Richard you should go back and ask for more and then he did and then the producer said fine he goes you talked to that old Welsh bulldog didn't you the other guy so yeah he was like he was doing Shakespeare and he started acting in his British films and this is one of the British films he acted in now Mike we got an audience you got to tell them what they're up to right now and how they got there is, it, is that how it happens well, right now she's investigating this dubious. Uh, well, no, sailor. no, it's duck hunting. He made it. She made an agreement, right? The father. She, she's the father. Like owns the newspaper or something. And no, no, not even. Well, the father's not alive, is he? He's in the boat right now. The, it's uh, her father. It's her father. She's really more spying on Richard Burton, though. I think, like, she went out there. Well, I thought it was a coincidence. She goes out duck hunting because she mentioned it with her. She agreed with her father. And then she, you know, this boat, she, she, it, it just shows up. I, she doesn't know that Richard Burton's out there. Well, you know, her father does. Her father was a bootlegger, it's revealed. Her uh-huh. father was in on everything. And they're like, should we let her in on it? I told her. And they're like, she's just a mosh girl. And they're like, yeah, go ahead. You know. Now, what are they drinking? Like, they drink coffee in this movie, but it's I think she's coffee. pouring tea. Yeah, it's coffee. They're not oh, really. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't know what the contents are. It very well could be tea. But every drink they have in this movie is coffee. They even it even ends with them opening a cafe. What? Well, well, th- what? You're forgetting about all the booze, dude. But I'm not talking about. I'm talking about when they drink. They don't drink tea. They drink coffee. Okay. Okay. Now here we go. Here's old suspect. See, Going down the he river. just he just happened upon her. 
He did She wasn't out there to spy. She will she now become a spyer. She'll start spying. Well, she was. She didn't trust. Like, oh, I see. There she goes. <laughs> this is me. And then he duck out. Hey, Carl, what you doing? Quack quack. Hey, quack quack. Good, Carl. What you doing? Quack quack. Did you hear my duck impression? What's with the rifle, Carl? Yeah. Hey, where's your duck thing? You know, the fake ducks? Oh, I don't need that. Quack! <laughs> Quack! I'm not the spending idea. my money on that. Well, you gotta you gotta use a uh, something that sounds like a seductress duck to call their attention. So here we go. Quack! Quack! So oh, Richard quack. is letting the cock with the cold go by. Uh-huh. As he's sneaking around. Now look at him, man. He looks great. He doesn't look great in that documentary in 65. Uh-huh. He, he's like chain smoking. Now, Carl, you said you picked this movie because of Richard Burden. Mm-hmm. What is your association with Mr. Burden? Uh, well, uh, we're not lovers. Uh, I don't know where you heard that from. No, the truth is... I was just browsing around YouTube. I think you were having some trouble with come. I don't know, but I came upon it. It was Richard Burton, a huge star. It's Uh 1951. So you can trust that there's not going to be ads. It's in black and white. So it's going to take us to an earlier time. And it was full of accents. No, but I'm talking about like you, you said you singled out Richard Burton. Like what is your perception of Richard Burton? Like, no, no, I didn't. I, I just, he's a major star. And well, what is your fucking perspective of Richard Burton then? Like, oh, did... oh, I think Richard Burton's a bum. I think he's okay. a loser. I okay, that's what I want to hear. Yeah, no, well, he, they, he and, and, and Enabler Girl were just total alcoholics and it ruined them. Of course, and look, of course they, they don't stay married and stuff. Okay, now take him on the screen and I think he's magnificent. Yeah. I think that that movie, um, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? What a trip! I, I think that Richard Burton, as an actor, and not in this film, is very powerful. He holds his own in this film. It's not his film to take, though. It's, no, it's, it's not. Captain. He's not the main character or anything like that, even though he's a big deal. And the, the script doesn't lend him to any heroics or, you know, impassioned speech. He's just not the guy of this film, but he's still good in it. Yeah. Now well, tell everyone what's going on, Mike. I was about to, Carl, but you you were spo- you spoke up. I'm Carl, so I, sorry. I, I always. I know it's all right. We could switch the route back. You saw the movie if you want to do I did. it. I, I did. Yeah. All right. No, I saw it one time. Okay. All I know is she is now discovering the cache of smuggled alcohol. Right. That's okay. what I know. You, okay, you're gonna have to let me let me lead this. Okay, Carl. Yes, please. Okay. And if, if I pause or my timing is off, trust me. Just let me give me that, that extra beat, okay? You got it. You don't have to step on it. Also, maybe you could shave once in a while. Okay. <laughs> yes, boss. Okay, boss. I will do it. All right. No, I'm, I'm ugly. I always hate bosses like that. Did I ever tell you the time I had uh, – we'll get back to this movie. He's basically telling her that they're smuggling booze, and they, they get it. They get it in the net, and they bring it over. And it's been going on for ages, and they have like a backlog and all this shit. So I had I had a, a show at a deli, and the boss like, here, come here, come into my office. Now I don't work there, so but I'm right, going into right. the boss's office, right? And he closes the door, and he's like, you know, Mike, you've been using the same jokes every time. <laughs> and, okay, here here we go. Here's the star of the show. 
Now you would say, oh my God, fucking Penguin's henchman escaped Batman. But he actually had, he's a captain and this is appropriate where his ship is named the Frolic. Yeah. And he's wearing a sailor's hat and he's got a sailor's uh, sweater that has the name of the boat. So this is very on the, on the up and up. What's and not on the up. Pops in plural. The Royal We, yeah. Oh, funny. I was just about to get to that. But yeah, uh, he, we have just landed. So he always refers to himself in the Royal, royal We. And that was our wife uh, when he talks about me. He also calls every woman the Lily White. Yeah, that's this right. Is, it's a little off-putting because, you know, Lily White is, is a coded word in America. It's like, you know, exclusion of black people or... It's used to say this is a Willie like neighborhood, but it was a code. So it's weird hearing him say it, but let's listen to his crazy voice. Yep, Lily White. Now, I know this guy. Uh, he's famous for two reasons, Carl. He was terrific. I actually haven't seen him. There's two directors, British directors, Emmerich, uh, shit, Michael Powell, and fucking, what's the other dude's name? Uh, Emmerich Pressburger, that's right, Pressburger. And I saw The Red Shoes, fantastic movie about a dancer who gets these magic shoes that make her dance and dance and dance. And then they lost their career when they did a film called Peeping Tom, okay. which is about a, a guy who kills women while filming them. He like, his tripod has a knife. And that movie destroyed their career. They had a very distinguished career. They had a string of three great movies starring the captain in this uh -huh. film. And by the way, I'm going to play the audio when he's anytime he gets to a piano, we got to hear the whole thing. But um, the song he plays. Yeah, well, he gives these speeches. Uh, he did the life and death of Colonel Blimp. I know where I'm going, and a matter of life and death. Those are the three big Michael Powell, Emery Pressburger movies he did. So he's famous for that. He, uh, you know, he lived a while. He he was too young for the Royal Air Force, uh -huh. so he actually worked, you know, doing some mission stuff, but. He was in tons of shit, and I think in the 70s, he kind of petered off uh, his last acting role. Okay, here we go. There's a boat and the piano. There's a piano and a boat. Mm -hmm. Weird. It's, a, it's an upright, so it makes more sense. This reminds me of uh, The Hateful Eight. When they give that big speech and the guy's playing the piano behind it. Oh right! Oh, they—he's on TV. Yeah, he is. With ourselves. Now there was a television in the old man she was interviewing's office, which I was surprised about because this is 1951. They, well, they had TV in the 40s. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. I thought it was a fifth. Maybe it came, became big in the 50s. It became it became more affordable. You know, I mean, uh -huh. it was early adopters in the 40s. Gotcha. But it, it existed. Uh, Nothing at all. So what's interesting about this movie, Carl, if you remember, is that he does these elaborate speeches on his pian upright piano in his boat. And yeah. it's glorious. And at one point, he confronts his wife in her her landlocked house his ex his ex-wife and there's a piano there and he just i think he's talking to the husband there's an just, organ yeah he just kind of sits himself in front of it and starts playing while telling yeah. the story it's great ah 
Here yeah, we but go. remember this. Tell the audience yes. what he was saying while he was playing just last time. What we just heard? He was giving a story about the fish that got away. It's the story of a sailor and the love for the sea and the love for a woman and what's calls, what call they hear and what call they follow. Basically, Polly was a lily white and we loved her. He, she was our wife. Yeah. But, you know, the sea beckons and off he goes on the frolic and he leaves her and she married a guy who we will fucking see. Yeah. Fucking crazy movie. Uh, yeah. Uh, this crazy farmer that they she's going to chase these guys off with a pitchfork. He was and a right military now, man at the time. Now, this is a great scene, Carl, because these bureaucrats show up and they're all bootleggers. And the guy goes, would you like some brandy? I mean, uh, beer. Would you like beer? Uh, no brandy. They on the Andy Brown. Oh yeah, that's right. All right. So those two, uh, pro- the two bureaucrats were talking about how they don't like this guy. He's a bit chill, right? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. So he's going to browbeat this Coast Guard into revealing the truth of uh, of uh, bootlegging. He's like, it must be really hate your job, right? It must really fucking sucks looking at the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like. But he doesn't like so English though. Yeah. Well, he's trying to be aggro, right? Like he's like Captain America in this. Let's take a listen. Is there anything wrong? Wrong? You seem rather angry. You seem rather angry. Oh, well, boring, I would say. Sitting alone here all day, you get a little cross about it. I am cross. So it's the classic, like he's trying to get information about it. Basically, they're going to, they do this wild goose chase, right? The bureaucrats, and they have nothing of it until the second act. And they show up and they go, what's all this then? Yes. And this has to do with us. And that's when the trouble fucking knocks off. But everything is crazy in this movie. Like, I look, I have to say, like, everybody in this film is a genuine character. Like, it's not he just. Yes, what a marvelous door. Yeah. It's what you're talking about. It's like the character of Don't dawdle. Yeah. Well the uh, no, here's another thing too. Like this director, Nigel Twist, by the way, the uh the last scene in this movie, what a twist ending, Carl. Mm-hmm. The director uh, the twist ending? I don't think so. You yeah, didn't? it was it was directed by Nigel Twist. <laughs> what a twist ending. Okay. <laughs> classic, classic twist ending. Saw it coming. Now they're saying that this used to be one thing about this area is it was water, right? It was ocean. Uh-huh. Yeah. And basically these guys are very dismissive because the marsh people, these marsh people, uh basically they made their income by building a wall to block the ocean and then claim the land. Right. The the ocean receded and all this wet marshy land was left behind. And yeah. so they walled it off so the sea couldn't come back in. Right, and then they kept the land. And they're saying, hey, I see a bunch of cows on here, but, you know, you need to grow some fucking potatoes. Oh, that's what he says to the other guy. You could grow potatoes, but eh. Yeah. Eh. Yeah. Too starchy. Eh. Well, why is it an agricultural problem? Starchy. <laughs> now, all right, this is why I like this movie. You present the pitchfork and some bureaucrats, that guy and they better... ran into where the bulls are, which I thought was crazy. Yeah, they run through it in those suits. 
But yeah, you gotta have the farmer chase them with a bull. If you fucking bring a bull, you know, bull pork, bull, bull pork, pork, bull fork, pitchfork, pitchfork. Yeah, look at them run. Uh, that they used to keep their potatoes in this bunker, and it was like a really, it was starchy bunker. <laughs> uh, I like that. Look at them. Yeah, fuck yeah. And then we get the big reveal. There's his wife. Polly. No, it's not a reveal. We're just meeting some farmer and his wife. But, but you hear their names, and you're like, oh shit, these are this is the couple that the captain was talking about. By the way, I have to say, let's talk about Polly, his love of his life. She steals this movie. Her name is Vita Hope. And I will show you. Well, actually, she hasn't been introduced yet. That was a neighbor. But when she shows up, she scratches her ass, Carl, and we gotta call out that, okay? Okay. Like you know, when you wake up, you stress. How do you wake up when you're on the on when the camera's playing? Yeah. You yeah. get up, you scratch her ass. She does it, and it's fucking hysterical. <laughs> when she sees the boat, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's married to the director, Nigel Twist. Oh. She died in a horrible car accident in 63 while they were still married. That's uh, too bad. They were in a turnabout, and she crashed into a lorry. Okay, that's a that's a, a truck in uh yeah and a roundabout is a roundabout in england too or what do they call it car what are the round circle roundabout now anyway so they're saying like i told this reporter and she's like oh she's uh tom's son a uh, daughter she's all right a real marsh girl don't you know there we go that's my favorite line a real marsh girl i don't think we'll have any trouble with her <laughs> Well, they have, uh, they still got another load. And they're like, well, we can keep it and let these uh, bureaucrats go. And they're like, fuck it. Let's just take it. So they're going to go and take the, the booze. Now they're accelerating their, their, their bootlegging run. But the problem is that the weather's not great. No, the weather is not great. Now, the thing is, she's like, he's like, this reporter snooping around, and now we got these bureaucrats. We better quit. We better just stop being a smuggler. We can do it later. You keep calling it bootlegging. They don't call it that. But then he goes, yeah, but we got the last shipment. It's it's out there on the ocean right now. And he's like, well, that won't do. Of course. We, okay, The this will be the last one. Yeah. Now, I have to say, like, their voyage is fantastic, right? Like, fantastic was, voyage? It, I, it would that. be. Oh, I never, God damn it. I need a fucking word of day calendar, <laughs> right? That would really make a, a excellent adventure. God damn it. I need to, <laughs> Ew, here's Richard. So he's like, what are you going to do now? And he's, he's like, you should settle down and get married. And she's like, oh, phooey. <laughs> now, you know, she they never get together in this film. And no, graph the whole film. They're gonna get together. I feel like more like she's one of the guys. Like she is a Marsh girl, mm -hmm. in on it, and that she uh, helps them. You know, against the, the, the all the cops that show up and all the bureaucrats, she's in on it. Like even at the end, she does her part, which is right when she's glug glug glugging. Yeah, she's doing her part. Yeah, I really think I don't know if this is the time to talk about it, but I really think that this movie has a bad ending it, it's really okay well let's uh let's after the scene let's talk about the ending because this is all a right. great scene all right 
it basically, uh, they have a three-hour tour, and uh, the tour is for the SS Minnow. Yeah, which may be lost. So here he is again, like during these scenes, my big toe started to thump, like my sailor uh, eyes started to turn red because I know a bad storm's a brewing, and that's what they're saying. You know, we don't like the cut of this storm; it's a brewing. And one thing I have to say, I love about these sailor dudes is that they have all this booze in there. And they know that they may not win out against this storm, right? This perfect storm might kick their ass. So what do they do? They pull out a fucking, they pull out a corkscrew. And they're like, fuck it, dude. This stuff might be damaged. We might be damaged. We need to finish it off. Yeah, that's and right. And that plays into the movie. Like, that's basically what this movie is about. It's like, uh, instead what of getting rid of it. that brandy? It was some. Napoleon, right? Napoleon brandy. Right, right, right. It's real Napoleon. Uh, we need. A corkscrew. Yeah, right away, uh, Captain. And they get shit fucked. Like, they yep. get so fucking drunk in this movie during The Perfect Storm. It reminds me when I saw The Perfect Storm. I actually was drinking at the time. Uh-huh. And I passed out, and I woke up, and it was like a storm. Perfect. Yeah, storm. Plug Hello. Plug. You're listening to the BBC uh, Yeah, which Ocean. says... Don't go sailing today, dumbass. Yeah. Now, these guys, they all survive, which is remarkable during this stuff. They fucking get shit-faced loaded. So this is fancy brandy. Glug, glug, glug. Take one down. You know, I put up... Did I ever tell you the time I got angry? Because I I put up 99 bottles of beer on my wall. 99 bottles of beer? Yeah. And then uh, these guys were singing a song, and I got really pissed off at it. I'm like, you better not. I just put them up there. <laughs> don't, don't, don't deplete my stock. Coming up next, Jeeves and Worcester get into a trouble. You're listening to BBC Marshlands. Do do do. So now they're on the shore, worried about. Now I think it's probably a film. Film, but um, I don't know. That just lightning. Oh, do you know what you think? It is probably a screen drop. Yeah, I, I, no, but see how it's lightninging and it's still shining on them? Maybe it is. Yeah. Well, this is definitely a backdrop. Unless they went to the ocean. Now, these guys are getting drunker and drunker. Tee hee, tee hee. But I really like the attitude of this movie. It's like, instead of wasting it, get drunk now. Yeah. Like, if it's going to spoil, eat it. And that's what they do. They get fucking drunk. And then when the, at the end of the movie, when the situation is that they have to get rid of all this booze, the right. town pitches in. Yeah, see, that's... Okay, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. the whole movie... Okay, the third act... See, is it really time to talk about this yet? I mean, our well, audience isn't with us at the third act. I'll tell well, you as we go along. Okay, but I mean, basically, things are going to escalate. These bureaucrats are going to get wind of this uh, smuggled booze. Yes. Also, they claim, and the boat's going to be, well, we won't even get to that point, but the boat's in peril. And the new position of the boat means that to cover their ass, they say, oh, we have this liberty. Look at him still drinking. I love it. Yeah. Oh, he's like, he's fucking pulling off. Oh, we should listen to his voice. This guy, like, the moment this guy, Richard, started talking and acting in this movie, I was like, who's Richard Purden? (laughs) Yeah, right. He just he completely takes over this movie. Yeah, look at them. They're fucking about to die. They're just drunk and crazy. So 
So the point was the ship is probably going to wreck or something. So we should get rid of the booze. And then they decide not to get rid of it. Well, yeah, we always deliver, right? Doesn't they say yeah, that? Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> because it's a lot of money if they don't deliver. It's a lot of money, but they also know that this might be their last fight. So they're drinking it. Right. Yeah. And what's interesting, like the first time I've seen, I seen this movie three times. And the first time I saw this, I thought Bernie was on the boat. And it oh. wasn't until I saw them on the marshlands huh. and Bert is like, oh, there's a weather guy. That's what I mean. Like, this movie doesn't lend itself to Richard Burton being great. No, he has a role and he does it really well. Like, you really do think he's a. a now, what uh, is he hearing right now? Oh, right. Help. 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 I'm stuck in a shed. I don't get it. But okay. This one, this one scene I don't really get. But I guess he's still snooping around or something. He kind of says, like, you dumb girl to her. But he helps her out. Yes, he's a, he's pretty nice to her. Yeah, I don't know why they don't hook up. I know. That's one of the things in which I don't like about this movie is that the ending is that it telegraphs to us we're going to have a romance. These two, like, uh, I wouldn't say they don't like each other or at odds, but they are a little bit. She's, he's like, you're a snooper. I don't like that. Right. But meanwhile... They respect each other as well. She does. She never writes the report. No, that's why I don't think her dad writes the newspaper because the dad would be like, "Ixnay on my past life." You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> uh, I think it's like she knows the full story about the smuggling ring, but she's not going to tell it because she's from the area. She's a right. marsh girl, right? Lily White Marsh girl. No trouble Lily from White. her. Yeah, Lily White. You tell the Lily White. Oh, we don't like that. Your love minnow could be lost. Look how drunk he is. <laughs> and wow. you know what's strange? He has such a big fat face in this movie. And <laughs> I looked him up. You know, I'll tell you what, what else he's famous for, which is his fucking family tree. But I looked him up and I see him in the Blimp movie. I see him in his other roles. And he has like a young, distinct face. He's got uh-huh. a beard. Like he definitely changed his, his appearance changed in this one. Okay, so the other thing he's known about. All right, wait. Here we are. We going to have the ass scratch scene? Oh, uh, I'm not up to that yet. He's passed out. I might be a couple seconds behind you. There she is. Beat a hope. Yeah. Look at this. Classic Carl wakes up, yawns, a little bit of stifle. Ah, get your feet bearing. Here it comes, the best part of the movie. Scratch your butt. <laughs> yeah, scratch your hair. Figure it out. Get up. Get some air. Scratch, 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 scratch. Look at Be that. Ass your front lawn. Yeah. Classic. Du- oh, she does the double takes. She says there's a boat in the front yard. There's a boat in the front yard. Look at that. She doesn't register. Goes back to bed. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, nothing. There's a ship in the duck pond. What? There's a ship in the duck pond. They survived. Now our hero, our uh, the guy who talks in plural, he does a yeah. pretty good I'm waking up job too. Oh, and they, they're hungover too, so they have to do the hungover part. They got maroon. Their ship went flying. 
He goes, right. rear rudder, rear rudder. Right, well, because we hear the ship, right? You hear that noise? That's the ship still running. Still going. All right, I'll push it back. And then the those poor ducks. ducks are quacking up. All those ducks are dead. I ate them afterwards. Yeah, he's got. <laughs> now, this guy's completely unrealistic. Get your boat out of my duck pond. How's he supposed to do that? He's just throwing dominance, I guess. But no, there's no way. And then this becomes the. Then this movie kicks into gear with its uh, parody. He shoots at it. Bang, bang. Where's yeah. the fucking bullet hole? Stupid. <laughs> it's so fucking hug over. Oh, we got I hear say it. that. What's the idea of putting a boat hey. in my duck pond? It's not deep enough. Police force. Have you up the tent with the police on you? There's going to be trouble on the list. We've seen your face before somewhere. Wow, we've seen your face before. But he's still too drunk to notice. Here we go, fucking dumbass ship captain, ship guy. <laughs> What's going on, Mr. Bill? How do we get here? That problem is at present occupying our attention, Fred. It would appear that we are marooned. <laughs> <laughs> he says a little captain jump, right? The sailor, the sailor jumps out of the thing. He's, doesn't understand why there's not water around him. All right. Now here she is. She sees her husband. Is that her? No, that's her friend. Vita's kind of has more of a figure to her. Uh-huh. All right. They did it. They're done. Oh, look, Bernard didn't realize he's on stage. Right. He uh he has some drinking stories in this documentary. I believe it. I believe it. So he was drinking with his father, his real father, and they had Boilermakers, which is an American drink, which is a shot followed by a pint of beer. And uh, I said, Dad, would you like a Boilermaker? It's usually uh, vodka or whiskey. And he said, how about a shot of rum? So my father and I had some rum and uh, followed by a pint of beer. And at the end, he said, oh, those Americans, what a clever race. <laughs> like the French are a peculiar That's race. That's what he said. Family. Because his father woke up and all his ailments disappeared. His lifelong ailments were gone after that night of drinking with his son, From Richard. From makers? And he said, Americans, what a clever race for creating the Boilermaker. All right, so, yeah, we're getting into the whole, like, bureaucrats that come a piling on now right? because first was a cop like a local cop yeah right? local cop but what they're gonna say is that because the boat is from their area which is covered by the liberty right the they can get a slipway built and get the boat back in and have the farmer pay for it by having the boat being declared owned by back to the liberty right so this goofy ass guy who's going to bring his, who's going to leave to get a sandwich and a, and a stool. Yeah, the guy with the hat. The guy with the hat. Okay, so here's the first guy. Now, I like this fucking cop a lot. The farmer's saying, I have these trespassers. And the captain knows exactly what's happening. He says, You have trespassers? Well, we should, maybe you should talk to me about it. 
And what he does is that he's the, this cop squares away all the, the farmer's problems, right? Like he has a bigger scheme that the farmer doesn't realize. And it'll come up in a second, but that's the first time we meet him. And here's Polly. Now here's look. Hope. I will, her reaction is priceless. Yeah, it's so good. Here we go. Oh. <laughs> what an actress, man. <laughs> Look at his face. Look at our face. Best body on the dispatch. We are the object of considerable amusement. Who is it? Lily White by the name of Polly. Seems to, he know, seems you. to know you. She said. <laughs> How can you hate a guy like that? She said, she is our wife. I say that. Okay, here's Colonel Get Gill. Aboard. Oh, he goes, ahoy. That's another thing that made me laugh. Yeah, because they're on land and he's going, ahoy. <laughs> All right, so they're divvying things up. They realize that the only way they can make this happen is that they're not going to pay for it. They're going to make the farmer pay for it. By declaring the ship owned by the Liberty by no, the area. But wait, wait, you're forgetting yeah. the blackmail part. Who's blackmailing whom? Okay. Polly ran away from our hero here. Yeah. They were married. They were married. And she went off with uh, the military guy, the farmer, the pitchfork guy. Yeah. But that's, you see, they were married, so they never got divorced. So he can't legally be married to her. So that is the blackmail. He goes in there, he plays the organ, he plays right. the piano. We had a wife by the name of Polly. She left us for a certain quartermaster sergeant. Quartermaster sergeant, that's it. You don't mean that Polly we do. We do. Right. These things are in the stars. Here we go, he's playing the fucking piano. I love it. Always the same song. It's so great. To every to yeah, same song. When a ship finds itself in a foreign port without the means to proceed elsewhere, the master is permitted to borrow money ashore from any party on security of the ship and its company. Okay, so they're getting to the nitty gritty. Of right. It. In yeah. addition, they're going to get it financed through some maritime law. Okay, but to do that, they need to have the their neighborhood, the the Liberty, declare it. Right. And meanwhile, there's going to be. But aren't they still in the Liberty Charter? Aren't they still? They That's, are. You know, I took me a second to figure that out. I think because they're going to have Charter Day nearby, and all the townspeople are hip to the smuggling. I think it is. I think, but I think, I think like the master pitchfork guy lives in the marsh. And the water was so high, they went over the wall. Yeah. And then when the water receded, they were landlocked. They were stuck. Yeah. Marooned. Oh, I see the marooned. considerable. <laughs> Look, there's a chess game on a boat. Do you think that would, wouldn't that slide all around? Well, we saw a boat movie that took place in Sausalito. Do you remember that hippie movie? You're my mom. And she said, meep, meep. And she ran off. Do you oh, remember that, that sunflower? They did live on a boat. That was they lived with on Carol Hannah. Boats. 
Flowers? No. Flowers. Sunflowers? Something like that. Wildflowers? Yeah. What was Wildflower. it? I like the movie, you know, but it was also them. But this is this is like an active boat, right? Like this has like he's on the, he's every day smuggling. Every day I'm smuggling. Every day I'm smuggling. <laughs> ah, here comes the blackmail. Fucking for all his bluster. Which is the father? There he is as the quartermaster. I love these details. Like, everybody is fully formed in this movie. Everyone has a personality that you could pull out of. Here he goes. Oh, a piano. Well, it's an organ, you see. That's the difference. And there's no mirror, Rico. Look at yourself. Here Once we do a fella like you, look like you, talk like you. Thank you. Pretty much the same. He was a soldier, of sorts, a kind of quartermaster sergeant. Kind of? He took a fancy to a certain lily white known to us. He's getting so black. He got what he wanted, and the lily white listened. Left a deeply devoted husband. Ah. Who I? To tell you the truth, we were not quite so mortified as some folks thought we should ought to have been. No matter. God damn it. Just him on the piano and this character is. Oh, it just elevates this movie. It's just everything becomes so much better. So now this guy is committed through blackmail to creating the boat slip uh, to get them back into the water. Right. Which, you know, honestly, it seems like such a ridiculous claim. And now he's going to get breakfast. Well, his wife is going to gleefully, happily serve him breakfast. Like, she is very happy to see him. Yeah. Right? Well, she does have that really good heart-to-heart where she's like, you're leaving again, aren't you? Although it was her who left. I thought, thought that was interesting. Yeah. Look how happy she is to give him. Ah, here we go. Here Fucking, we go. Yeah, so, here we go. Love Fucking Napoleon. wild. This guy is a, is a, I don't know his sports term, but he's the most valuable player in this movie. Like, he definitely de- comes up and delivers. Ahoy! <laughs> you want something? It's really funny how the young guy treats him. Let's yes. listen. I'm the bailiff sergeant. Come again? The bailiff sergeant. I seize vessels on behalf of the council of the corporation. Oh. Oh, you do, do you? <laughs> <laughs> He's got a Liverpool accent or something, too. Well, if you really yeah. want to know, it started with Henry III. Well, look, you go back to Henry and tell him to farm his own business. I know his face. Uh, he... When he's older, he's a famous actor. I know his face. You know, I did not look up anything. He kind of looks like the guy from uh, Hogan's Heroes, uh, Bob Crane. I can see that, but it, but, but. He does have a look. I didn't look, I, you know, I focused on, on uh, Richard Honor, uh, Richard Burden, and uh, the director and the writer. Burton, you know, like he, he, in this documentary from 65, at one point he moves to Hollywood. 
And he actually, I think he moved to Switzerland, to be honest with you, uh-huh. for tax reasons. He was married to Cyril, I think her name was. And then uh, he met her in his first movie. And of course, things changed. He was supposed to be in Camelot. And the producers of Cleopatra paid out the producers of Camelot to make sure Burton wouldn't do the movie. So he would oh. do this. Yeah. Okay, so he's saying, like, oh, <clears throat> is, the thing is, they don't want them to know about the booze. They don't want anyone on this ship. So he says, like, uh, he realized the guy doesn't wants to guard it. He's like, well, can I get my sandwich and a, a chair? He's like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, he Perfect. says, as a matter of fact, you should do it right now. Do it right now. Okay, now these guys from the car, here we go. They're about to leave the movie until they see this. That's a jerk. Here, they're going to say it right here we go. You know, Fishwick, I wish I liked Perot better. Right? He's a little too cold. But Perot, the, the aggressive American like asshole, he's going to do that shtick to these guys too, and it's going to fail. So they're going to switch the, the, the crates into the fish crates and then move out the booze. Done and done. Done and done. And that's how they get away with it. Okay, so I think I'm wrong. This guy, that guy, I knew his face. His name is Brian Forbes. Yeah. And he was in um, The Guns of Navarone. Um, but he, he's not the guy... I was thinking of. I know who it is now, and I just see his face. But never mind. It doesn't. It's not him. So no worries. Okay, so now we're trying to get rid of the booze before right. the bureaucrats come. It seemed to us to be more practicable than. Which is crazy because that bulldog of a of a Ministry of Fishery guy, yeah. he fucking gets on the boat. Like he actually bulldogs his way onto the boat, yep. and he's like telling Bernard to open up the hatch. Yep, that, yeah, it's hot. Right. Hot. Oh, I must stand up from the hot first. So he's like, you've got to get out of here. There's alcohol here. You get implicated. Yeah. Because I'm not leaving. I brought you a tomato sandwich. Which is really nice. And interesting. They talk potatoes and tomatoes. Potato. Tomato in this movie. Interesting. Yeah, I you did my research. Potato, I say tomato. Oh, you know what, Carl? I was going to single out. There's one scene in this movie, and I think we we missed it already. Oh, where they're at the colonel's uh, house and they're planning out a scheme of what to do. Right. He had the squeakiest fucking shoes. I was going to call myself out and say, Whoa. "Play up the." I was going to play the audio on it, but I just missed it. But you could hear him squeaking his shoes around in this movie. <laughs> All right, here comes the next guy. Yeah. Now, where's he from again? Like, he's not the. There's a okay. smart sergeant who. I'm who's not gonna sure help. because they are hiding from him, but he seems like he's part of the marshes. Oh no, he's he's a maritime guy. Oh, he's from Salvage. Who always has the coal? Oh no, here's the guy with the coal. The coal. I think that guy is from the Salvage. He wants to take the boat. Wait, he's got no teeth. He's the guy who was walking. Was walking oh, the Coast Guard. The Coast Guard, yeah. Right. Right, but they, he does a double take. The bureaucrat goes, you mean smuggling? And they cut to him and his teeth falls out. 
All right, they're almost there. Don't pull my leg. Okay, now this guy shows up with his chair. <laughs> I got here first. I just came back from my stool. <laughs> so it's three separate bureaucratic organizations. Yeah. And they're all sort of fighting for jurisdiction. Yeah. Now the ladder's gone. Oh, man. Oh, this is, all right, this is one of my favorite scenes. He brought food. So this guy brought food and coffee and a chair. And he's sitting in the tent. He's the only one. Well, I think he's going to forget the reason. Oh, this guy is snoring so loudly. He can't stand it. So he gets up away from the snoring guy. The snoring guy opens his eyes. See, he hates him. That's the salvage guy. That's the Coast Guard guy. The Coast Guard guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, look. He's like, fuck it. I'm going to turn away from this guy. He's like, they're turned away. I could drink the asshole's coffee. They brought enough for one. Right? Like, this prick brings his own food, and these guys are starving. Thank God he had enough chairs. <laughs> yeah, how did that happen? How did they get chi- I mean, I only brought one chair. No, he brought, he brought a couple, multiple chairs. Oh. He's about to drink his coffee. <clears throat> What happened? Okay, I think the squeaking is the next scene. Here we go. Listen okay. to his squeaking. Right. She got this fucking liquor book cabinet. Wow, nice and hidden. Is it prohibition? You mean the face the whole time. What do you do with liquor? You drink it. Drink it. Old cargo? Well, that's the run. Yeah, that's the. Well, his shoes were squeaking. So, so they come now up. They have to drink all the booze on the. Yep. yep. Before the bureaucrats find it. That's the rub. Yeah, we have to get the town people drunk. Look at this tiny little glass. For a lily yeah. white. Well, it's brandy. It's like really fancy shit. They just glug it down. <laughs> brandy galore. Oh, brandy galore. Good one. My colleagues were assaulted by this man, Bainbridge, in the execution of their duties. Do you wish to prefer a charge, sir? Well, no, though it should be well within us. Now, isn't that the cop who brings them warrants? Yeah, he he pays a mine here, right? He's still eating his lunch. They leave. He picks up the phone and he calls the colonel. And so the colonel says, he pretends Here's to be on their side. He's just doing his job, and then once they leave, he calls up the colonel and says, "What am I going to do?" Colonel gives him the order. He follows through. Like okay. he's not showing it. He's not showing his hand, but he's definitely like, "Here we go." I mean, it sounds like he's going to follow up with these guys, and then he gets a call, and he's just like, calls the colonel. The colonel says, "Fuck with these guys." He's like, "All right." Look how old timey it is. Yeah. I know, and they have televisions back then? What the fuck? Yeah, that's weird. Uh, there's the ducks from the uh, title card. There's their little camp. Yeah, <laughs> so funny. And they all hate each other. Like, it's just funny, the personalities of these characters. Yeah. They don't, they didn't need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're camped out there too. They sleep in their boat all night. Look, he, he there's they're mopping the swapping the deck. Well, they have their duties. It doesn't matter if it's not on water. It does matter. They're their boat. Breakfast, Cedric. Cedric, Cedric. breakfast. <laughs> okay, white power. 
He did the okay sign. That means white power? Yeah. Carl, where have you been? I guess not in the movement. <laughs> All right, now this guy, he's got his orders. He says, Oh, Mr. Bridget, we'll have a little chat. Yeah, hey, I figured everything out. Everything is okay. I got it. Because it seems like the, the cop's going to kick the boat out, right? Like the farmer wants the boat out. And uh, he talks to him. He's like, I got everything. Don't you worry. I have it set. Well, he says, like, I have paperwork that'll make these guys trespassers. Come on down and sign the papers. But it sounds can... like the boat people. Like, I, I can make the boat people trespassers. But in fact, he makes the, all the bureaucrats trespassers on his land. Right. And that kind of screws the quartermaster, I remember now. Yeah. Well, it also, yeah, it screws the quartermaster, but it screws all the bureaucrats. You know, like. Certainly. Yeah, look at this town. Great car. Yeah. Hello, lover who I will never be lovers with. Come on, yeah. look at this whole movie is setting them up to be a couple. I was drinking three bottles a day, and I, my friend said, Richard, that's your third bottle. Maybe you should take a blood test. So you, I used the name X. It was anonymous. And they said, ooh. Right, he wants to keep it anonymous, so he goes into an interview and blabs about it. The results came back to if this man, this anonymous man, lives like this, he will only live for two more weeks. All right, now here comes the cop. Cop fucking, and he's got a new pitchfork. Here's all our bureaucrats. We have a pitchfork on farmer. Yeah, get off me land. Well, he wants the the ship off the duck pond. All right, he's got his pitchfork. Yeah, but it's got four prongs now instead of two. It is a new pitchfork. Maybe they're disposable. Like once you chase after somebody with it, you got to throw it away. <laughs> they're disposable. Yeah. Let me Give me my pitchfork. Here you are, dear. I used that one. Okay, so here's the ducks. They're drunk. Oh, uh, geese might be cooked, or at least our ducks are pickled. Look at the bubbles coming out of them. Like that's I what love- when you drink. Don't you think as a British child, you'd be laughing in the aisles when you said yes. that? Yes. They push on his stomach and the bubbles come out. That's hilarious. A cruelty. Look, it's in slow motion, so they look drunk. Yeah. Yeah, we wanted to get some fries and cook the duck fat. He's dressed. Yeah, right, he's got a suit on. But for what? Well, he is on land. He's not a sailor today with his t-shirt. He's a Here's the here's the alpha male again. Okay, now this is what I thought was the movie fart. Obviously, the boat they're getting yeah. rid of the smuggled goods by pouring it in the water. So he's taking a sample of the water because the ducks are drunk. He's going to bring it to the chemist straight away, right? And get it analyzed, and they're going to find alcohol in it. I thought that was the movie fart. Like no, at but the, the end, that's going to. It pays off. I think it pays off. Absolutely. At the end, when they get the results, it's the funniest thing I've seen. Now, she's helping. Now, don't help us. funny, but it's not a payoff. You okay, he, oh, let's talk about it. So they're going to be stuck in court. Right? They're going to keep them in court all day while the town people drink the booze. This is all on purpose. So they're going to talk dithery-do. Yeah. It's the old Southern judge who blathers on and on while Burt Reynolds drinks all the hooch. Uh, 
Jerry Reed. But he, uh, you get the results. They get a telegram. And they open up the envelope and they pass it. The three bureaucrats look at it, and then the audience finally gets to look at it, and it's the result of that water test. Yes, and it says ninety four percent H two O, one percent sodium, one percent dithery do, and the last percent is alcohol. Yeah, brand like it's so obvious that it was one hundred percent alcohol. Okay, but you see, what happens to make a movie good in the end is expectation for the audience. So this movie sets us up. We've got to keep the bureaucrats occupied with the judge while we right. drink all the pooch, right? And yeah. that's exactly what the movie delivers us. That's exactly what happens. But when there's usually a movie fart, like the chemist report, and now he can hold up the chemist to the judge and say, this proves there's alcohol, and that leads to a final battle. They thought they were cool. Yeah, but the joke, the joke is they, they, they undercut it. They, it's corruption to the core, and they can't get away with it. The town is lying, flat out lying to them. They're just gaslighting them, and that's the joke. the hatch open he's about to do it and then here comes the cop he's like oh about time we were just about yeah about time indeed i'm about to serve you papers yeah you are trespassing yeah. what but it was really close alpha dog almost got it yep nice scene in which she's like are you really leaving yeah. this movie does not deliver a proper third act well as soon as we have procured a slippery a few stout horses chain tackle 20 fathoms of good rope all of which your mr bainbridge has so obligingly agreed to provide we are off furthermore we shall be forsaking hard liquor until the frolic is afloat again. Cedric. Yes, my dear? You're sure you really want to go away? That is our declared intention. Oh, oh here goes uh, Port Portery Green. I think Portery Green and the Abbeydale Marsh are just two different areas, and that marsh is covered by the Liberty. I don't know. And I guess King they're all Henry covered by the lips. Signs the charter, and there's their actor playing King Henry. Now, if this was an Adam Sandler movie, King Henry would be played by Rob Schneider. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And Arthur Fonzarelli would have been the captain. 
Yeah, I would have, and I would have seen it. Well, yeah. So they're celebrating. So King Henry's there. Henry, I mean Henry the Third. Twelve, twelve, twelve hundreds, I guess. Uh, yeah. What well, they said, like five hundred years ago or something. What yeah. they said. Maybe like five hundred years ago. There's these the judge guys. who we really haven't met yet. Yeah, it's weird how they introduce these characters. We we hear about Mr. Bainbridge, and then suddenly we're involved in Mr. Bainbridge. We see the judge here in the parade, and then he's going to be the, the... He's like, I like movies that have a third act new character. I know it's not good. I just kind of enjoy not that. Hollywood rules, but it's so, you know... It, it's it's ballsy. It's always ballsy to introduce a new character at the end of the movie. Yeah. See, the thing is, when you introduce your new characters, it's usually in the second act, and they're all characters to help the hero or be against the hero. When you introduce a character in the third act, the audience feels a little cheated, like it was tacked on, you know? That's just a... I always feel like that character needs to be like becomes the main character like he his absence was the point you know like compliments the movie like you know it's a funny scene this scene they're basically gonna just uh uh what's it filibuster yeah they're gonna delay the judges while they drink the booze yeah. and get rid of the evidence and what's funny about this is that oh here here's the results coming in i guess uh no the funny about it, these guys are like no, not for a while. We won't get the chemist report for a while. The bureaucrats' faces on this, it's like they completely get what's going on. They're bureaucrats. They understand what bureaucratic hell they're stuck in. Yeah. And it's just like this resign, like they just yeah. can't get out of it. You know, they all know it's hooey. These guys, maybe not so much. Yeah. Reading the charges. Yeah. And there's honor. Was she there as a reporter? Did she report it? Yes, but she's sneaking out now because she's probably going to tell them they're occupied. It's time to drink. Yeah. 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 She came out and gave the signal. Anna. Yeah. So Richard Burton, like he was in one of the worst, like Golden Turkey Awards. Uh, yeah. Called him the worst actor. Really? This is like 1980, 1979. They listed uh, Exorcist 2, the, the Heretic, as like the second worst movie following Plan 9 from Outer Space. He's in that famously. I went onto Amazon Prime. I typed in Richard Burden, and they have a movie called Obsession, a take on Lolita. It's about a schoolgirl falling in love with a 60-year-old man, and it stars Richard Burden. Okay. Wow. From 1980. I was like, uh... But he's in plenty of bad movies. Oh, they're singing their little song. Yeah, let's hear it. Hey, you want to get fucked up? Henry III's like, you know I do. You know I do, because I'm not really Henry at all. I'm the Burger King uh, mascot. Yeah, that's right. Well, Richard Burton and like uh, Elizabeth Taylor, them that documentary had some prime footage from '65, but they were just like a freak show. 
remember Boom? We saw Boom. Yeah, right. Really good. But who is the director who's like, if he did, if you don't like it, I I don't even respect you. Who's that guy? He oh. was the director who did uh, the woman who is always in drag. Uh, not well, John, it's a Water, guy. John Waters. Yeah, John Waters. You think of Divine? Polyester. And... Yeah. Oh look, hey, we get odds. Wake it out. There's a maypole. Everybody's in the house. Yeah, uh, you're right. Maypole, maypole. But in the video from for safety dance, they have maypoles. Yeah. Yeah. Which, now, all right. Now we well, got. I got to write the... down for this episode to do the safety dance one. Sure. Well, we just song. heard it. What do you mean you have to do? We just it started in the, the show. All right. Uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, safety dance. Like you can see, these bureaucrats are resigned. They know they got fucked over. Yeah, and it's like part of their bread and butter living, so they're they're uh, resigned to it. Yeah. So it's been an hour long deliberation. Now the thing is, the judge isn't really in on it. He doesn't know he's supposed to be keeping them busy. Oh, I didn't realize that. I think he should know. Yeah, I thought he was intentionally doing it. Right. You just assume it. Yeah. Oh. Now the chemist report should come. Ah, chew. Whoa, I'm cured. Yeah, he's just battling on. You know, I guess what's up, uh, Doc? The the Ryan O'Neill, uh, Barbara Streisand movie in San Francisco. Yeah. It ends. The third act has a judge, where they, they and he's. Crazy judge. He's uh, it's kind of a famous scene, mm-hmm. and then I guess Dan Aykroyd, nothing but trouble. He plays a southern judge who, uh, right? He was a grotesque looking. No, southern now, Jersey. He's drinking the contraband. Now these drugs are fantastic. Look at them; they just can't wait. And then they're 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 all piling up. They won't let this guy on. Yeah. Oh no, that was the captain who pulled them down. But these drunks, they got to get them out of here. You had enough, buddy. I'm yeah. doing it for the liberty. Not for All right. For the liberty. Look at this guy. Who the fuck is this guy? Came out of the Thin Man. Uh, they must contend. What's so, what is he eating? Like an Altoid? <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that too. It was almost like he had snuff or Maybe tobacco snuff. chew. Here's a chemist uh. report. Great. There's something important that comes in. He gets it. He gives it to this person. We wait as the audience for him to open it. He's so resigned. It's just funny to him, right? That's the personality quirk of this guy. They're blathering on. It's the second one. We want to know what's in this letter. It's just just so well done. He looked at it. Here we go. Look at that. 1% 1 alcohol. 1% alcohol. 96% W2O. Now look at the smile.
give a shout out to Henry III for getting lifted off a boat onto a horse. That's a great stunt. Well, That's I guess you're right. I don't like about the movie is that they'll now do that to our heroine. They already did that gag. I know, and it doesn't look like she's in. She looks like she's in pain when they do it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I guess. I guess you're right. Carl. All right. So they say it's ninety. It's full of alcohol. They're like, wait, a minute, we got to go to the resort, and they go, and then they have the whole wild goose chase or pickled duck chase with that one bottle left where they throw it right. to everybody and that would be it. They still get to it. I don't know. I think as a farce, they have to say, this is the way the world works. It, if it's a coincidence, then it must be a miracle yeah. and that this is how the things work and, and uh, they're resigned to it. I don't know. Yeah. All right. I, I don't know. I thought it was clever, uh, but, but you're right. It. Okay. God damn it. Yeah. It's clever. I, I didn't say it wasn't. It is. Now, listen, at the end, they, the judge lets him go. He says, we're reducing the charges to a something obstruction, right? And they don't have to serve any time. They don't have to pay a fine. I kind of didn't get that. I also, why can't she drink? I know. Is- why does he not like it? Because, oh, there she goes. All right. Upskirts, guys. Get your cameras. Arrgh. To the top of the sail. These guys are chugging away. They had an extra bottle. They could have just given it the honor. Drunk king. They were gone for two hours, three hours, and now it's just total chaos in town. We have won the bottle, and we're missing one person that I kicked off the boat. What are we supposed to do with this bottle? If if she was there. Oh, this is so cute. See, now they're out on a date. Oh, he's so funny. He shoots a gun and then he says, Yeah, the gun's no good. He goes, I yeah, thought you would say that. Here's a, take another gun. But she's great with her little uh, vanity mirror. Yes. Yeah. It does look like it hurts her as an actress. Yeah. And it's just a shitty thing for him to do. She was trying to drink the last bottle, basically. He won't let her. And now they're stuck with the one last bottle. Right. Now, this is kind of a movie fart. This is kind of what I was talking about. Yeah. But, this is all in one take when they're throwing that bottle around. Look how they're kissing. Did you see them kiss? I, I never saw that before. Does that mean they're a couple? Maybe. I didn't realize they were kissing. Look, she's so great. He went a little scruffy bear. Cute. Now it's Polly's turn. So they're chasing the bottle. Right. Which has gone in. Oh, here, the Andrea Amash. That's where they're from. So the boat must have gone next door to Pony and Green. Little hams. All right, hamming up for the last bit of the movie. Of the now, singers. La, 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 la. Guy? Which one? Oh, there he is. Yeah, there he, he is. At, he was at the fortune teller. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now he doesn't do he doesn't realize this but he saves the day now check out polly it's the ass scratcher she's so great she scratches her ass and then when it's her turn to shoot she shoots it off the vanity mirror and she shoots the one last bottle (laughs) oh thank god he didn't realize it would happen like the bureaucrats are laughing at this well, they're not. They're defeated. And he's well, like, these people don't deserve to be governed. I know. I love it. The marsh will rise again. Oh, free Whopper Day. 
Thank you, King. New chicken fries. Yo, new chicken. Dainty cheese. So now they're back to cheese. There's the boat. Landlocked. So her hand is around his back. They are now a couple, I guess. They're holding oh, so court. The boat has become, somehow I missed this. The boat has become the cafe. Right. And the boat's been a lot, a lot larger, too. They have a dance floor. There's, uh, I don't know if he's a famous player, but there's Liberace. No, no, it's not Liberace. It's yeah, the captain. Liberace. It is the captain. And no alcohol is served. <laughs> and then the last line says, the end. Yay. Oh, what's the captain? Yeah, the boat looks a lot bigger. So him and Polly, they they stay on land. Her dream comes true. Captain Cyril Biddle. Carl, what do you think of this movie? I enjoyed the movie. I think it could have ended better, as you know. I Right. argued for the we whole argued movie. But but um it was good. It was good. I think that um they had a great actor in Richard Burton and I don't think they knew it at this early time in his career. Um I think he could have really done something with this film if he had I mean he wasn't on the boat, he doesn't have the romance. But um I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I really like this movie, I have to say. Like and again I have to say I, I don't know. I, th I thought like as a farce, it was really good, but it was just kind of fast and all the characters were funny. Like they, uh, they really put some effort into it. And I never even seen that Richard uh, livery guy. So kudos. Good job, dude. Well, uh, next week, Carl, we are going to watch uh, the great Gabbo. I bet you there's no trailer. Let's see. Maybe. Uh, this is from 1929, so there probably is no trailer. I'm typing it in with my PlayStation 4. Uh, the Grat Gabo. This was a, a Simpsons episode where the Great Gabo shows up and becomes more popular than Crusty the Clown. It is based on this movie, so I've heard about this uh, character from The Simpsons. There isn't a trailer, but they have the lollipop song. Well, you know, we should close on a different song, Carl. Oh, right. You're going to sing it. We'll skip the trailer this week. Okay, so let me go. So this is like 12 Days of Christmas. But instead of five golden rings, they do uh, three. Three is the number that they do. So let me find it. Pretty sure I wrote it. Are you going to karaoke it? Let me see if I have... Uh... Yeah, I could. Searched for a thousand ships. No, this is uh. All right, I sing you one o oh, green grow the rushes oh what is your one o oh? uh one is one and all alone and ever more shall be so so we keep going and then uh what is two o oh? so here we go I'm gonna sing the final lyric. I'll sing you twelve, oh, green grow the rushes, oh, what is your twelve, oh, twelve for the twelve apostles, eleven for the eleven who went to heaven, and ten oh. for the ten commandments, nine for the nine bright shiners, eight for the April rainers, seven for the seven stars in the sky, six for the proud walkers, five for the symbols at your door, four for the gospel makers, Three, three, the rivals. What? Two, two, lily white boys, all clothes in green. Oh, one and one and all alone, and evermore shall be so. 
Merry Christmas, Carl. Merry Christmas. Interesting how they're lily white boys. REM screen goes rushes. Yeah. This is the five symbols on your door. It's not the folk song, right? It's different. No, it's not. Oh, they're being postmodern. Damn you, Stipe. Rapid eye movement. Stipe. That's so much money he gets. Yeah, he doesn't get residuals from his songs. He gets a stipend. (laughs) Good one. Well, if you enjoyed that good one, hold your breath. In seven days, we will be back uh, in your inbox, in your YouTube notifications, in your podcast queue. And, of course, here on Mutiny Radio, we'll be back streaming first, 2 p.m. on a Sunday. Uh, Carl, people can check out Carl at carlsucks.com. Is carls.sucks work? And you can check me out at Spiegelmania, I guess, uh, here on the Twitter. Uh, Carl, this was a lot of fun. Thank you yes. so much. I never knew how the sausage was made until the switcheroo. Now I see all the effort you put in and uh, wouldn't wish that on you. Hey, I should mention. Before, I think your your best one was the Elvis film. Yeah. And you did a pretty good job with, um, hey, Vern, uh, Ernest Steals Christmas or whatever it was. Oh, and then Abbott Costello. Yeah, you did a good job with that one yeah. too. I you did the right. You do a good job with uh, Kill Killdozer. Yes, I'll never hear but that. Other than that, you're doing great switcheroos. Mention Killdozer, and I'll mention the funny joke at the end of Greengrass, the rushes out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, well, so we're come back to check us out. We'll be watching the 1929 movie, The Great Gabbo, yeah. uh, about a ventriloquist who goes crazy. Uh, so hold your breath, check it out, and we'll be back next week. We'll see you then. Take care. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. You can watch if you want to. You can slap Spiegelman's behind. L-W-A-F-L-M-N-O-Y-T on Mutiny Radio. Mutiny. Mutiny! It's pronounced Mutiny. Mutiny! It's, it's pronounced Mutiny! Oh, my turn-offs are guys who say Mutinay. Mutinay? Well, let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Oh, Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Oh, Mike Spiegelman. Hey! Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Mike Spiegelman. Good evening and welcome to the Gates of Delirium. 
with me, your host, Perkins Warbeck Twenty-Third. It's Wednesday night at 6 o'clock here in the Mission District of San Francisco, California. And it's time for the Gates of Delirium, a two-hour excursion into the joyous fringes of the progressive rock genre here on MutinyRadio.fm. Tonight we'll be listening exclusively to my favorite artist, Jethro Tull. I'm going to be concentrating mostly on the lesser-known lesser known gems of his repertoire. Tonight will be from 1970 to 1976. There'll be a selection of juicy bits. Right now we're listening to Hand Dance from 1976's Vince Wrong the Gallery. This is the last song on the second side, as a matter of fact. Often overlooked. Not here at the Gates of Delirium, where we plumb the depths of the Progressive Rock Archive. Once again, my name is Perkins Warbeck the 23rd. I'll be your host this evening. We're going to move on with our first selection this evening. This is from the Benefit album. And the Mouse Police Never Sleeps. You are listening to Mutiny Radio.fm. On the high 
That was Looking to the Sun from Jethro Tull's second album, their first real album. Their first actual album was This Was. That was something that they did in a blues vein, because that's what you had to do in 1969 in London. Their second album was the first album, which they started exploring the unique blend of folk and rock and English 
troubadour sensibility that is the unique style of Jethro Tull. What do I mean? Moving on to another track from that same album. This is Batman. You are listening to Mutiny Radio. FM. <laughs> Just good fun. Would rather be a thin man. I am so glad to go on being one. Too much to carry around with you. No chance of finding a woman who will love you in the morning. Problems came from being 